Hi, everyone. This is Jordan, the owner and CEO of Greaser Consulting. On this call, we have Amy with us, who I met years ago uh, as she was just dominating a presentation on sales effectiveness and funnels and everything else and have always just been impressed by the work that she does. Uh, she's going to talk today a little bit about myths in the go-to-market funnel, when to hire, when to slow down, when to keep running lean, um, but really just talking about the concept of marketing and sales alignment as it relates to getting touches. What does that look like? Who is in charge of that? Who builds the list? That's what we go through today. And, um, you know, Amy, Amy and I sort of come from two different worlds tackling the same problem. So there's some places that we line up really good. There's other ways that like, eh, we might think a little differently about it. But by and large, uh, I just have a lot of respect for Amy and the work that she does. And I know you're going to enjoy hearing her perspective on today's call. With that, let's dive in. Say you want some clarity in sales and marketing and SEP. Well, we have just the remedy. Our podcast, RevOps Therapy. Hi, everyone. This is Jordan, and we've got Amy with us. Amy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, guys. I'm Amy Cole. I'm the founder and CEO of AK Operations. Um, we are a fractional, I like to say, female powerhouse of sales enablement, um, um, fractional teammates to some of our clients, some of the best sales teams in the country, actually. Well, uh, you mentioned that. I, I remember meeting you at Sapper's headquarters and yeah. you were in there doing some like this is when I was like early in my business and we were still trying to figure out what we do and we're like hey we could do some sequences right we could put something together and then I, I like see you in a boardroom giving this presentation about this whole funnel all the metrics the exact conversions here's the attribution here's what's next and then you come out and I'm like well that was pretty cool and then you show me this list of customers where you're like Here's the data for every single customer. I have. I'm like, I'm like, someday when I grow up, I'd like to be Amy. Like that was that moment for me. Someday I'd like to be Amy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been impressed by the work you do. Yeah, you got something here? No, you're so sweet. Like Jordan, that was a fun day though. But you're right. Like the whole purpose of that presentation. This is, I think, why people appreciate it. Clearly, you did. It's like just as a series of base hits, right? Like. Everyone approaches a board meeting or a sales conversation like, what's the home run of the quarter? And it's like, that's not real. Like these base hits are real and breaking down the funnel like that is kind of the secret sauce of our approach. So I'm glad well, it landed landed your infinity for us. Well, that's what I was saying. Like it was right then and there. And I was like, okay, like I said, someday when I get big, I'd like to be like Amy. Like that's my, that's my goal in life. Oh. Oh my, but that's too, that's, that's too kind to get this started. So we're going to talk about go to market myths today, right? And just a couple of things that people just tend to think a little differently about. And Amy, I know you and I, like you're kind of, I don't want to like label you as marketing because you're more than marketing, but in some ways, like we do two different things, but in the same ball game. Right. Um, And so So a, a thing that comes up all the time in our world is just around this, like, should we go out now? Like, like is now the time let's hire 20 people. Let's hire 50 people. Or do we like lean more on systems or do we lean more on, uh, intent data? Like, like, yeah. like what's this world, uh, especially with like product led growth becoming really big right now. Like, like mm-hmm. what are your thoughts around this whole idea? 
So, well, there's two things. And I talk about this a lot when I'm meeting prospects, even for our company, the first time, like there's two trains of thought when you're building out the go-to-market team on internally, like you either hire for a process or you hire into a process. So when you're hiring for one, you're putting all your eggs in this so-called quote unquote, I know this, there's no video, but rock star who's going to come in and they've done this at this company and led this billions of dollars of growth for that company. But, but you're, you're, all your eggs are in that person's basket. And like when it comes to scaling um, the sales team, particularly like you can get a, you can get four rock stars and four bozos all at the same time. If you scale too fast. And if there's not a very clear system, um, you, you, you don't actually have a well old machine yet. So I, I encourage our teams to always stay leaner longer by leveraging some smarter automation. And we have more of a pay by numbers process. Um, and you, and mean, you know, this, you've, you've obviously been a contributor too. at one point you did things differently than the guy that you sat next to and your rates look different. Your conversion, your conversations went differently. And some of these, some of our teams that we support smaller companies and you do, but that, that's, that could be detrimental to their business if they do that wrong. So, yeah, I mean, big sales teams don't necessarily hit big sales numbers. Lean sales teams can hit just as big sales numbers as long as their, their systems are in place and that process is already built. So what's interesting about that though, is I, I remember one of one of like when I was back at outreach and, you know, outreach was hyper growth and all these things. One of the big commentaries mm-hmm. of that sales leader at the time was, was like, we took too long to hire. And his big thing was like, yeah. like we wanted everything to be perfect before we hired everybody. And so as you go in and you talk with people and I'm not, I'm not like disagreeing with you here, but where do you, how do you mm-hmm. help find that line of like, well, no, now you've waited too long or on that flip side of like, well, no, like you're just not ready. Like what's the process of discovery there so that you don't fall too far on either side of that? I mean, I mean, Jordan, the thing you referenced earlier, like the first time you met me when we were measuring the base hits, if you have, if, if I'm presenting the base hits of cold leads to engagers, engagers to meetings in our meetings to deals or opportunities, and then our wins, if we have, like, if all things are green and then we're bottlenecked at opportunity to win, I don't know that that's like, we have a closing problem. Like, but my point is when we're just benchmarking each spot of the whole pipeline, we know where to double down and focus on versus how many times has a sales leader said, yeah, they might say, well, we don't have this perfect yet. But I also really appreciate a sales leader that says, I'm going to do this right first so we can illustrate like the go-to-market plan or the strategy or the playbook for my upcoming sales team behind me. Because if you hire before anyone's done it, it makes it very difficult to set the right expectations. And honestly, it, it's nothing's, nothing's more um, more defeating than coming in and seeing, seeing nobody hit their number. I want to know that people have attained quota. I want to know that they're hitting their numbers and they're doing it and they're being enabled to, to, to do that. So I don't know. I you, you don't want to hold on too long, but if all those conversion metrics and those base hits are green, it's time, it's go time. But if you have a bottleneck from meeting book to to um, to qualified opportunity, you're not ready yet. Or if you're not winning, if you have a closing problem, you may not do, be ready yet either. 
do you have like baseline numbers when you're consulting with folks? Like this is the one size fits all. If you've made it over this metric in this area, you are now ready. Yeah, Jordan, great question. So after doing this for 100 clients now, we've looked, there's really four go-to-market strategies each of our clients have. So on our kickoff, we kind of identify it based on like, really there's like three key variables. Like what's the TAM of this target audience? Like how big does this client, how big can this client go? What are the cycle times typically look like or how many members of the buying team? It kind of helps us identify like how long it's going to take to close. And then is this a founder-led sales organization, a built-out team, or kind of like a growth, like they're, they're in the midst of scaling and they have a lean few sales reps. Those three things really help us identify what baseline um, conversion rates to set for my team. And that's what the women on my team are held accountable for to our client and to, to me. And when a team has, you know, something in the red, it's very apparent and we know where to focus for the next you know, seven days in between our next check-in with that client. So just but for fun. Without that. Oh yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say with, without that baseline of like what good even looks like, we always launch with our best guess based on what other clients have done in their similar, like go to market strategy. And then we benchmark ourselves against it every seven days. And the goal is, I always talk about this. We just have to get better, better than the week before. It doesn't have to be like double our conversion goals. It's like if it can get 1% better, that's a huge win. If we can get a quarter, a quarter of a percent better, that's a big win too. Like just the forward momentum is what you're looking for at those seven-day check-ins. How much time do you allow? Let's say we identify that the uh, meeting booked to qualified opportunity is the bottleneck. How much mm-hmm. time do you sort of coach to the system that you have to if like if it's not increasing that like we need to rebuild that part of the system because like this is a systemic failure at this part versus like let's coach them to get better yeah that's a good question sometimes i think and this is probably one of the myths if you're not seeing the meetings come or the deals populate how many sales leaders come in they're like q1 fucking suck the time to flip everything on its head we're doing everything different and next thing you know, you've pivoted away from probably four things that worked because one thing didn't. And so if you take that one thing and then maybe what we're doing is we're tweaking it or like shifting it, we can do that in like a seven days in like the seven, I probably honestly, to answer your question, more of like a two week runway is what we need to know to see if those meetings are converting better. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at the right exit criteria from meeting book to SQL. Did they attend? Is it a member of the buying team? Are they looking to move forward within a reasonable time frame? Um, if if that gap, if that gap consistently stays there, do we know? Did we just not run a sequence long enough? Was our sequence too short? Was it too soft? Like we just actually, Jordan, this is pretty cool too. And I'll share this data with you that my team has from um, our 2021 clients. We ended up running like like sequence velocity metrics, what we ended up finding out was in HubSpot and a lot of our environments, we were able to build, build this easier, a lot easier. What we did is say of our meetings booked, which sequence email did they book on and what number was it in the steps? And what we ended up finding out is like one of our highest, like fastest turning pipelines was produced off the first two emails. So rather than keeping those people in the sequence for three, four, five more steps, we got four times more people in the sequence with only a two-step push 
and it made a drastic difference in their pipeline generated for Q4 last year. But Amy, so it like takes between the, eight to 12 that touches. That is all you need. But it takes between eight to 12 it, touches. No, I, you know, I know, I know it does, but that's in lieu, in my opinion, with marketing. And who's to say, and listen, who's to say that those people weren't already in a long, long ass seven, eight, 10 sequence. But what if I could tell, tell you like 80% of your meetings get plucked in the first two emails in this sequence after they follow five or six marketing touches. Imagine how many more people you could get active in sequence. So I, what I, what I like on what you're touching on is ultimately like you want to talk about a myth is create it or set it and forget it. Right. Like that's one of the biggest myths out there because that's, you know, believe it or not, that's one of the things that my company gets into is we'll go in and we'll do a content audit. This is more on the sales side, using an outreach for sales off. Right. Like we'll check out one of these things. And like people think the big goal is to build the content and then, okay, now just funnel everybody in. And to your point, like we'll get into oh, one wait. sequence. Yeah. It's dynamite, but you know, at step six, we'll get into another one that like the first two steps are fantastic. And then the rest is either unsubscribe or no response. So we're like uh-huh. wasting time. Um, yeah. And so again, like in the heart of talking about myths, it's a myth to think that once you've figured it out once, it's just done, right? Well, and who says that those 13 touches need to be from your sole single one dude sequencer? Like how much better of it? This is where you and I might throw down a little bit <laughs> and I welcome it. But who's to say that the like you don't add depth to the team if you're marketing and sales team. This is like why I'm pretty passionate about this. As the prospect, if I'm hearing from Amy at Mark, Amy and marketing, and she's giving me all this content that matters to me, whether I do business with them or not. And then I start to hear from sales guy, Jordan, and I'm like, oh, damn, I just read that blog. I'm going to read this, actually read this email. I might give this dude my time. Like, so those 13 touches to me don't all, they're not all on Jordan. They're on the, the company. They're on the brand. And I think that's why I, why why my team's like trying to solve this, this problem in a little bit more holistic company strategy, because if we're not serving before we start to sell, we're not received as well. But if we nurture the database and we care for them and we we really do put like legitimate time and effort into educating our prospects before we start to like put them on the sales pursuit, our conversion goes so much better. And then those 13 touches are hit, are hit a lot, a lot more seamlessly and less like sales centric. Instead, it's more consultative. Yeah. I'm, I'm not against what you're saying. Um, and that's, there, there's a, this is what I've seen as an evolution in the space. Okay. Mm-hmm. In 2015, when I started, uh, and I, I don't think outreach is going to want to claim me for saying this. Okay? okay. But listen, I was the, I was like the SDR early on and listen for everybody who gets all these emails that just get sprayed at them. Like I'd like to personally apologize to you right now. Uh, but the reality was the technology wasn't out there to like do that really well, really quickly. And so it, it was literally as easy as like get as many people in and like, let's just spray it pray it. Mm -hmm. And then like, here we go. And I mean, it worked like Mm -hmm. that reality is it worked. 
how do I know it worked? It's because I wrote the content and I'm terrible at writing content and we still got amazing results, right? <laughs> yeah. Like we use, here's a fun fact. We use the same sequence from 1 million to $30 million in revenue to book all of that pipeline. I'm not kidding you. Like Are that's, you for real? I'm, I wrote it in one weekend with a guy named Alex and that was it. That was the sequence we used. We tried to deviate oh, and tried different ones, didn't work. But here's the deal. I'm saying that not as like some proof point to say, Amy, you're wrong. Yeah. I'm saying that to say that does not work anymore. Yeah. yeah the landscape anymore, right. has drastically shifted. You have to be a lot more intelligent in the way you work. And that's why I'm saying this to say I've seen a massive movement. Like originally when marketing saw that there's these sales engagement platforms, like, wait a minute, sales is writing their own content. Yeah. There was like panic attack. For, yeah. Probably for the right reason, right? Because yeah. people like me were going to come along and let's just scorch the earth, right? Uh, but now there's been a, and I think this is a good thing, okay? There's been a huge movement for like marketing and sales. What we call it at our company is to build a content supply chain yeah. where we're going to create a feedback loop between these two worlds and systems. So we're doing things intelligently, not stupidly, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, I think maybe four years ago, uh, maybe when you first met me, we would have fought, but not today. <laughs> well, thank you. you. Uh, I've, been I've been enlightened. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. When I mentioned you got rock stars and bozos, like and we're and particularly like we, we, we work with a lot of um, great, incredible sales leaders that are trying to build out their team. And for every rock star, sometimes a bozo gets in there. And imagine, imagine that person being responsible for all 13 touches on behalf of your company. You know, like, think about it. Like, if they don't have, you know, somebody like you or I, or a partnership like you or I, and they just hand them outreach. It's terrible. Like, that, that's where, that's where I think what I'm learning, and this is what I'm seeing as, I, as our clientele and our, our clients' needs have evolved in the last couple of years, is they we can find what messaging will produce the meetings and the pipeline. We can find it pretty quickly. Now, now, now what they don't understand is not only do I have the right messaging, I have these, this head count and this is kind of going back to leaner longer too. How do I teach them how to use outreach and you or use Salesforce and HubSpot so they understand who to deploy and when and what's kind of badass about um, HubSpot, for example, for where like 80% of our clients are, we're like in the control, like we're driving the control panel now, Jordan. It's like VP of sales approves the message, the targets, VP of marketing and VP of sales collab on approve our sales sequence. Then we deploy it based on territory or whatever lead assignment it is per rep. So I can make sure I'm giving Jordan and Amy equal opportunity to hit their quota because I'm fueling, I'm in control of fueling their funnel. So then it's not a matter of, well, you didn't sequence enough people to hit your number. That's on you sales rep the control panel's doing it. And then it's up to them to operate and to convert the pipeline. Let me ask you about this. Uh, this is my, like, and, and this may not need to be a concern, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, what I'm hearing from you, and, and I might be hearing this incorrectly, mm -hmm. is, um, you know, now there's a big push, even for, like, rep satisfaction in the job, it's some level of autonomy to yeah. be creative, do something unique, and I think there's an important uh, there's an important pushback or, or thing that occurs. It's called automation fatigue. Mm -hmm. We're like every step of the workflow has become so automated that I no longer think. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And since I no longer think, like I'm actually, like I become a worse salesperson because I'm not actually thinking about what to do and when. Yeah. And so when I'm hearing you talk about this, like is automation fatigue a concern of yours? Like where does autonomy of the rep come into this? How does that play together? So this is how. The email. Tell is, me, Amy. This is the email. The email is not the part to. I want to put the reps in a position to have conversations. And if I can take care of the approved copy and content for their. Now, remember, they have their target accounts they need to self hunt into. But the other 90% of people they're sequencing needs to be kind of this controlled to me and for our clients anyway. Because again, I serve very. I serve smaller, leaner teams. It needs to be controlled messaging. It just needs to be on a cadence. Now, keep in mind, my teams are also calling after engagement. So I don't want them, I don't want them to call on Tuesday because today is Tuesday and this is the the second step in my sequence. So today I'm going to call. They don't call until they engage first. So to, to your point about automation fatigue, that's when they feel it. They're like, damn it. Yesterday was a heavy send day. Today's gonna be a heavy call day. Like that's what's de- defeating. And trust me, I know sales reps, sales reps are looking for the jobs that don't just have the highest base or the highest OTE. They're looking for, I think I honestly believe, and I've seen this in a lot of our recruiting conversations, they also want to work for for companies that are investing and enabling them too. And so you hire them to have conversations. You do not hire them to build robust targeted lists and to deploy sales sequences. You hire them to have conversations. And if I can point you, if, if I'm in the control panel and I'm responsible for feeling the 90% of what you're targeting and you're responsible for your 10 that you're, 10% that you're hunting, I'm going to tell you to call folks or you're going to get the task to call folks after they engage to a level of intent that's worthy of your manual effort. And that's where, that's where you're getting 10 to 15% connect rates. Like, I don't know how else a rep can... I don't know how else a rep's going to have high connect rates and cover the amount of TAM that they typically need to do when they're, when you have a sales team that's under, you know, 10 people, it's going to be tough, be really tough. And I don't know if you noticed this too, Jordan, but I, I see more pipeline close after the third or like you sequence one time, maybe you ask for referrals, still ghosted. We have more people converting on our third attempt. And most of the time companies just move on. They lose track of that. Oh, we used to we used to tell people that that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have reps come to me and say, "Well, I put this person in a sequence six months ago. Like, I can't target them again." I'm like, "Trust me, you, you think way too highly of yourself." Okay, yeah. <laughs> like they they don't remember your name at all. And they're right. like, "No, come on, whatever." And then, sure enough, second, third sequence, whatever. Like that's when it would Popping typically off. be be a yeah. little better, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe there's some familiarity that, that breaks in there. I, I, I don't know. Um, you were so, going to say uh, something about the automation fatigue, about the call steps? Uh, hey, I, again, I, I think we're less at war than, than you thought you would be because just yesterday I was working with somebody and I said, listen, like, uh, this is not how outreach would have you work this. Mm-hmm. Like they're just going to tell you, put these people in, call this step, do this next step. I'm like, look, scroll through your list, see everybody that's actually engaged, pull them out of this like generic automated, whatever. Mm-hmm. And since they've engaged, like to go do something of real value now. Yeah. 
um, yeah. like send them a video, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like getting it because they're actually engaging with your stuff. The likelihood of you like writing something customized, doing a video since they're going to view it, like now your time is going to be much more well spent. So like, let's not just keep them in the ether of this like blind automation. hundred percent right? agree. Yeah. Well, and it, like you may have fewer call tasks for sure. Cause you're not going to call everybody, but if you wait till you call the 20% that open and then you make, let's say you sort and three of them are like tier two accounts, make a quick loom video for those three, drop it in their LinkedIn, send them a call, then call them, call them twice. Like that's how you make automation enable the reps. Like the goal is not to replace their brains. The play, the goal is to make sure that they're paying attention to the right people at the right time. And they're actually relevant in what they're saying. So how do you reconcile that though of like, okay, you have a, you have a control center of like your VP of marketing, VP of sales is sort of loading the buckets, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, you have let's say a scaling team. So now we're starting to get bigger. Like we do need to start hiring. Um, and you know, you're talking about rock stars and bozos and everything in between. Uh, well now like we need to have some measurement cause we know in the funnel that we're going to book this many meetings are going to come to this many things. And so there's always this attempt to like, let's also quali- like quantify activity. Mm-hmm. If you send this many emails, you do this many calls and you run people through this many of this many people in sequence put in at this rate, like then we're going to like complete this funnel all the way to the beginning. That's it. Yeah. And so, well, yeah. So on the one hand, I'm hearing this like really systematic process from you, like start to finish. But then on the other hand, I'm hearing, but it's not always going to be like, do your calls. It's not yeah. always going to be or whatever. So how do you keep a machine alive if you're also including like this level of flexibility and adjustment and shifting? Well, by rep, you can benchmark the executed number of activities. So if I can say for Shelby, I need, you know, five market, Shelby books most of her pipeline off of five marketing emails, two sequences for a total of eight touches and seven calls, call steps. But then I have another girl on my team that's doing, you know, half those call steps and she's also has half the, half the pipeline. Like the, the reality of it is it's the combination of marketing touches to sales touches and then the man, the human intervention and the effort that the reps are putting behind those that engage or those that express intent. Um, and then you can get even trickier and drug, but like narrow it down by channel. Like should, like if we, ha- this is my favorite thing to pull. We're 45 days into the quarter and we need, we have a gap of let's say $20,000 in closed revenue. What's our Hail Mary play that we can do that we have enough days to get in within a reasonable cadence, the number of activities it takes to close a deal. That is the most fun like analysis to do in a client's um, environment and be able to say, okay, we're going to target these, this title. Here's the sequence. Here's like, here's our Hail Mary play. And you know, rockstar rep, you're going to do three activities against these guys in the next two weeks. And we'll, we will almost always, if not every time, come very close or close that gap. And it's, it's not until you understand how to pair the automation to the enablement side that you can buy the trust of our teams. Because, yeah, a lot of times sales reps say, no, I'm great because I, I, close, I hit my number because I'm great. Yeah, because you're great at conversations. I find myself, Jordan, in so many conversations for, with sales leaders like, why didn't Amy hit her number? 
Well, she enrolled like 100 people in sequence this month. That's why. Like, why are we talking about that stuff? Why are we talking about admin tasks that we're putting on our, you know, pretty expensive salespeople? Tired of it. So just don't do it. We don't need to do it anymore. And if our, if our systems, if our process isn't evolving with the systems that, that as they release these types of capabilities, then we're doing it wrong. So the pushback I hear to that, though, uh, and I've, I've seen that work. So I, like anybody listening, what Amy's talking about, I've seen this work. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, this is ridiculous. What mm-hmm. I am saying, though, is uh, I will actually get pushback ironically, like you're talking about sort of rep empowerment here. I'll get pushback from reps that say, I want to manifest the destiny of my own list, yeah. right? Of like, I want to choose the people. You hired me because I'm talented in what I do. So I'm going to go chase it my own way. And, you know, the heart of what you're saying and the heart of the, what the rep's saying is the same thing of I'm hiring a talented person to do really good work, mm-hmm. Right. But the rep is saying, as a result, give me that stinking list to build myself. And you're over there saying, don't waste your time. So, like, what's the conversation? When that you I have, have a rock star rep, and we do, like, actually, I was just on site with one of them, one of our clients that's local here in St. Louis this week. And he was saying, I have 20 tier one accounts, but I have eight people, on, eight, eight members of the buying team. This is going to take me all quarter to do. And rather put him putting all his eggs in his tier one accounts basket, I'm going to supplement him with tier two, tier three, tier four. They never say no to that. And I'm not saying they don't hunt. Reps should always have a target account they're hunting and grooming. And those are typically the bigger ones. But, and again, if they're rock stars, they, that's where they want to spend their time. They don't want to go chase the, the $10,000 annual contracts. They want to chase the 50, 60, 70, $100,000 contracts. In my opinion, in my experience. And also, this is why I like when we meet our clients, a lot of times they're founder-led sales organizations. We work out the initial kinks with them. And then you hi- they hire one or two people to kind of replace the CEO or the founder and let them go off and do their real job. And that we, ha- we grow the company with that proof point. And luckily, all of our stuff is measurable. And if because of it, it makes it so much easier to earn their trust. But I don't... We don't throw down with reps very often at all. Um, I tell you, like, when we're 45 days in the quarter and we're able to give them, like, their best chance at closing their gaps, there's nothing better than winning their trust that way. All right, Amy. We're, uh, you've made a believer. We're, we're right <laughs> at time today. I can't, I don't have time to fight you some more. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to do this another time, but... Uh, I, I just want to say I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks for, for being me. with me today. And uh, for everybody listening, we hope you enjoy this. Listen, uh, Amy's fantastic. Reach out to her if, you're, if your team needs help and you want to work with uh, – what, what did you describe your team? Like your ladies, they're, they're like they're, what? I call them sharp chicks. They're like 10 badass, sassy women that are really good at what they do. <laughs> All right. So if, that, if that's the team that you're looking to work with – Amy's your girl, and that's those are your uh, what do you call them? Sharp, sassy ladies. Sharp chicks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jordan, good. listen, thank you. You're you're so good too. I just appreciate your friendship and everything. Well, as they say, stay out of trouble, Amy. We'll I see will. Ya. Bye. Hot dog! That was a great episode. Thanks for listening. 
If you want to learn more about Greaser Consulting or any information you heard on today's episode, visit us online at www.greaserconsulting.com. Be sure to click the follow button and the bell icon to be notified on the latest here at RevOps Therapy. Thanks and see you real soon.